Welcome back to 64, a chess podcast. I'm your host, David. I am back. You know, for you guys, it's probably been like two weeks, but for me, it's been over a month since I've last podcasted. But we are coming at you live from Copenhagen, Denmark, where I will be for the next 10 months. Uh, and joining me right now is National Master Dan Gallagher. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. It's a it's a pleasure. Very excited. Uh, Dan and I have had some good banter on uh, on chess Twitter. You can follow Dan um, at Bishop Hare. You can follow me um, at 64podcast. Uh, we are growing the game. And uh, in any case, I'm really excited to talk uh, talk chess. And, you know, I, I don't have much planned for, uh, you know, I kind of, this is jazz for me. This is just, you know, I have a little structure in my head and we'll, we'll just go rapid fire. So, um, first of all, hope you're doing well today. And we're in the same time zone. This is atypical for me. And you're also the first Brit I've had on my show. How does that feel? It feels great, honestly. Um, I, I just, I hope that I give a good impression for British people everywhere. I hope I can represent the country well. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really good. I'm, I'm doing well. I'm going back to university in a week's time. So that's the main thing I've got on my mind. But yeah, nothing much going on. Otherwise. Where did you, where do you go to uh, university? Uh, Cambridge. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, you're studying philosophy, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. Final year this year as well. So it's actually got to do some work. Um, so who's your favorite philosopher? Oh God, put me on the spot straight away. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I quite like the logicians like Girdle or um, like Tarski probably. I'm not sure if you call them philosophers, but they're more, maybe more mathematicians. But Well, I think math fun. at a certain point is philosophy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the bit that I sort of try to do mostly, that intersection point, which I think chess fits into quite nicely, actually. Definitely. Yeah, math and philosophy. I was actually, I just watched a video on the incompleteness theorem yesterday. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, really cool. Really fascinating stuff. Yeah. Um, anyway, let's get a little bit about chess. Uh, we were just talking about uh, Danish chess a little bit because you said you've played in, uh, in Denmark before. And now that I'm here, you know, I'm trying to get integrated in a little chess scene here. So uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, your experience playing in the ExtraCon Open 2019. Yeah, it actually was one of the best um, tournaments I've played in. Really, Not in terms of my result, but in terms of just the tournament itself. It was lovely so i'm i'm actually half swedish so uh i have some scandinavian heritage and I, I speak swedish so actually it was it was pretty nice because um sort of the young swedish and danish players and norwegians they all sort of knew each other so i sort of got in on that on that crowd um like uh, anna kramling was there from the this this she now streams quite a lot all right um, yeah i've been trying to yeah. get Anna on my on my show for a while oh really no yeah <laughs> <laughs> I can I can put in a in a good word maybe, um, but yeah, fun. that was it was all really fun. Um, and uh, Pragnananda won, of course, the tournament, which shocked everyone. He was I think twelve at the time, uh, and beat like a field of fifty plus grandmasters, which you know it's just ridiculous. yeah. He had some insane yeah. performance because I, I remember I was here and I was a much much weaker player. I think I was like maybe like twelve hundred online or something when, but I was still like following chess and I remember. Um, I really regretted not being able, like, I wanted to go up, um, to, to, to the tournament just to see what it was like. And I, I really regret not going because, uh, yeah, that, that Pragnananda tournament was like, kind of like his, uh, it's like coming out party. I mean, people knew he was good, but like, you know, a lot of prodigies, they don't, they got, you got to test your metal. Uh, I mean, we see now also in the world cup, like Abdus Satorov and like, like a lot of these pro prodigies, they really are showing like, yeah, we're the next generation. And so that must have been a sick experience. And you you said you played a, you played a Grandmaster, right, during that? Yeah, I played uh, Rasmus Svana. It wasn't my best game against the Grandmaster. I, I lost that one. Um, I played a, a King's Indian, which usually goes well, but in this case, didn't. So, yeah. <laughs> How do you, you know, you so you recently got your National Master title, and I do want to ask you about, about that, but, you know, when you... When, I've had some GMs on my show. I've had a couple of IMs, WGMs. But when you're like, dare I say, a little bit of a weaker player, how do you like? Um, what what's your hope like when you play, let's say, an IM or a GM? Whether it's you know you're gonna play them online or in a like online tournament or like you you know you have to actually prep for them in an over the board thing. I, I actually I love playing strong players. Um, and actually I've got a pretty good record against them. Uh, like especially recently. So in the world university no sorry it was it was the kasparov university championships it was something like that uh that happened recently uh i played it must have been uh two grandmasters and i beat them both uh wow. in that tournament it was a rapids tournament and it's more that i just relish the opportunity because the thing is you can you can sort of bully them with like 
because my style of play is very sharp, which means that often I have a lot of forcing lines. And actually in the lines that I play, there are lots of like forced draws around, especially if I'm white. So often what I'll do is I'll sort of bully them and I'll say like, look, I'm happy with forcing a draw because you're a strong player and then make them play a weaker move because they don't want to allow that. And then I get a good position because of because of that. So I play all these like Bishop G5 Nidorfs and all of these lines that have those possibilities in. Um, and it, it usually works quite well. So that's my usual strategy is that, yeah, like, yeah, just bully them with draw, draw possibilities and then um, try to capitalize. And that's actually, that's probably something that works uh, even for people across the rating ladder, like that kind of mentality. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because typically when I'm now I'm, I'm learning all sorts of weird openings now trying to mostly catch people off prep, but I never actually consider you can all just learn some forcing things. And, and yeah, that's actually, that's a very good insight, I have to say. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously, like, I, I, I hope that they don't allow the draw because I don't want to, I, I do want to beat them. But I'm just, just psychologically, like, I assume that they won't let me force a draw. So then I, I get a better position out, position out of it. Um, yeah, that's like the psychology at play, which I actually think is probably the, my least favorite part about playing online too, is that you really don't get to um, use the psychology as much as, as over the board. Um, yeah. Now, like, like I said before, you recently got your national master title, um, but you had actually qualified for it a number of years ago from what I remember you yeah. saying. So first of all, why do you decide like, okay, let me just get my title. Um, and second of all, what is that process actually like? Cause a lot of us are, you know, where we want to get our title someday. Um, and most of us, including myself, probably won't, unfortunately, because it's very hard. Um, but in the case, you know, what what would a aspiring title player, what should they like expect at the process be like? Well, so basically, so I, the the criteria for national master in the UK is um, to have a ECF rating of above twenty two hundred for two consecutive years. Uh, so, and that, and the ECF rating is the English like rating system and it's the same it's, it's the same sort of level as fide or or uscf basically um and so my my ecf rating has been like 2300 plus for the last like five years so i've, I've more than fulfilled the criteria for getting national master but it was more that like when i was younger and first claimed it i was playing like that was sort of the end of me playing loads and loads of chess and focusing on my chess so much because it was before I started studying properly. Uh, so that meant that I was like, well, I'll get FM in like two months. Like there's no need for me to claim this national master title. And I thought like, you know, um, I want to get FM. And it turned out that because I studied so much and stopped playing so much chess that I never really got the FM title, and especially with the, pan with the pandemic as well and everything, it just sort of put, got put on hold. And then I thought that, um, yeah, like it's it's probably worth claiming it now because I'm getting more into into coaching. Uh, shout out to people who want <laughs> who want to coach. I'm available, uh, and yeah, also for the title tournaments online, it's quite useful to have that title. So I thought I'd claim it now. Um, the other thing was that it's currently like free to claim titles in England, like for a limited time. So I thought I'd do it. So usually it's like, I don't know, 50 pounds or something to, to claim them. Um, and now it was free. So I thought, I you know, there's no downside. I'll just do it. Now, do you still have aspirations to get the FM title and, and beyond? Or are you like kind of more focused on school? Uh, yeah, I, I do. So I, I feel like actually, and I guess we'll see if my results bear this out. Um, but I feel like I've improved over the, pan over the pandemic. But I just don't know, because th there's been no FIDE tournaments to show that so my rating is still the same so I'll, I'll play in the british league this year and i'll play in probably hastings at christmas and we'll see what happens there and but yeah i'm definitely still you know trying to get fm and maybe i am as well uh but I, like just recently i've not had the opportunity to to play the tournaments to to try that so can i can i ask you like what your fide rating is do you know it's it's 2205 currently i think um so yeah, I've still got 90 odd points to go before before FM. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, just it was kind of annoying because like just before the pandemic, uh, I beat um, like Ravi Harrier with Black. He's an IM, he's about 2450 and I beat some other strong players. So 
it was, it's on it basically it's 2200 but on the up or it was on the up and now i don't know what's what's going on but yeah what how do you you know so you, you're you're trying to get like fm and beyond like what does um, a typical day of chest study look like for you because for a lot of people um at the lower let's say you know i don't know really know what grandmaster study or you know but i know people at kind of my level it's mostly you know openings and you know maybe a book and chessable course but what are you like working on right now to actually improve your game yeah so um i'm sort of i've got some of the uh, jacob argard grandmaster preparation books that i think are really good uh the one on calculation is the one that i'm sort of working my way through at the moment uh and basically it, what i'll do is i'll take he has these like puzzle sets at the back of the book that are like six positions and you spend like an hour or so um and try to like find the best move in each of the six positions and yeah that really helps your calculation i think um that's that's what i'm doing mostly at the moment yeah that's the one you've got it yeah um i'm showing calculation on the on the zoom call uh that's that's what dan is saying yep i have the same book and i it's not appropriate for me i will just say that i've learned that the hard way it's way too hard it's really hard like even for yeah. me it's it's really hard um but it's it's like it's at a good level for me because it it's hard but it's like doable um so that's that's good uh what else i do some opening stuff but not so much recently because it's sort of quite time consuming like all the memorization involved so um uh, that's something else that i would like to do more of and um what else yeah the and another book recommend recommendation actually that i, I reread recently is um again for stronger players is uh, advanced chess tactics by lev sakis uh which is an absolutely fantastic book it's sort of um it basically picks positions by theme so like uh positions within like isolated queen's pawn and then dives into like the sort of loads of complicated examples and tactics that are like typical of those positions and that's been really useful it's helped me play those positions very well uh recently so that's that's another thing that i've been it's doing. called advanced chess tactics this actually yeah. sounds like exactly with the kind of book i've been looking for for tactics yeah it, it, so it's not like tactics puzzles really i mean there's, right. there's, there's some of them in there but it's it's basically just um it's, it's a bunch of games like in like crazy style in the positions that he's going for and he brings out like the typical plans and the tactics that are sort of floating around in the in the position it's really good yeah that sounds really good yeah what do you what would you consider an advanced player in terms of rating you mean by that book or like yeah yeah i think he's looking for like 2000 plus probably i think is is the the aim um maybe even stronger than that like 2100 plus maybe but okay. it's around that level i think is the is the market for it and you yeah. mentioned that and you mentioned that you coach like um what what levels do you coach personally so uh, the people i've coached to sort of range from like probably near beginner like sort of you know learn the moves and um i've played a bit but want to get better all the way up to like the strongest person I've coached is about like 1800 probably something like that so that sort of rating range um yeah like 1800 free day like might be a, bit, like a little bit a little bit stronger online than, mm -hmm. than that I see yeah. um well um now I have uh, I want to get into oh, I dropped uh so my mic is broken that was a piece of my mic that my mic stand I should say is broken so, that so it's, it's a high budget show this yeah, no, this is a really high budget show, and uh, I actually, um, I, I, I did forget to mention my wonderful sponsors at Aim Chess, um, without whom this uh, high budget would not be possible. Um, so I want to thank Aim Chess uh, for for the for the financial support. In all seriousness, you can use uh, code David thirty to get thirty percent off your first three months with Aim Chess and start improving your chess today or tomorrow, or whenever you use the code. And uh, we've had hundreds of redemptions so far, so let's let's keep it rolling. It's a good code, clearly. Yeah, it's a very high budget show. Uh, as as you will see with I don't know when I when I do my aim chess uh, instant insights, you won't hear it. But when I edit the show, I, I put like an air horn. Um, by the way, if you uh, like or don't like the air horn, you can you can DM me and let me know because I haven't heard any feedback. I thought thought it was hilarious. It's like with an MLG air horn. I mean, it's really funny, but like I, I think know, it's it's good because like lo loads of podcasts do that. I think it's it's a podcast. Um, 
staple so get get in on that on that yeah action. exactly i mean you know i'm trying i'm trying to be like uh like the other like the other cool podcasts on the block um but yeah let's uh let's talk a little bit about your history in chess because uh, i did some i did some research and I, I found that you were actually like a youth chess champion in the uk or something like that so uh, i don't really know how the you know, I, I, I know the ECF rating is like a number like 180 or something like that. It's like they're it's very strange. It's not like an American. So I don't really know much about British chess. So I guess let's uh, let's just let's talk about both of that. OK, so first of all, the rating system. Um, so it, it used to be like that. That's true. It's literally in the last year or so they've changed it to be like the um, American system or the FIDE system. Um, so basically, it used to be that. Um, 200 ECF was the same as 2200 FIDE, uh, but now they've changed it to like 2200 is, is yeah, like it, I that, see. Um, it's now just FIDE, ELO based. Um, yeah, so that's that's how that works. In terms of my like youth chess career, I, um, yeah, I was probably like strongest when I was about 15. Oh, I mean, strongest like compared to my age when I was about 15, I was probably like 2100 standard maybe something like that 2150 um so not much weaker than i am i'm now and i won the british under 15 championship that year and yeah that's basically that was my uh highest achievement probably i, I played for the um the english uh national junior team a few times as well uh in the european youth and uh the european schools as well i think oh wow um, yeah which is cool do you have a trophy? You have a big trophy for that. I mean, I played for them. I didn't. I, you don't get a trophy for competing. <laughs> no, I'm saying for the for the under fifteen championship. Oh yeah, yeah, I do. I do have one for the under fifteen championship. Yeah, it's, it's somewhere in yeah somewhere around. I'm not sure where it is at the moment. That's so cool. Yeah. And uh, you know, what point did you realize like, whoa, I'm really good at chess. I should like keep pushing because that's always something interesting to me about like young chess players. Like, I, so for some people, it's like, I know there's this whole debate about like child prodigies and like, you know, the extent to which it's healthy to raise prodigies and whatnot. But like, you know, some kids are just really good at stuff. And like, at what point do you like realize like, whoa, like, hey, I can kind of kick people's butts at chess. I should do this more. Yeah, I mean, I was never really like pushed into it. My my, my parents have been so supportive of me like throughout, but they, they weren't like, you must play chess. Like that wasn't the sort of thing that happened. It was more that um, I really enjoyed playing chess, like at sort of a sort of like reasonable standards when I was like between the ages of eight and 12, probably. Um, I was playing in like local junior rapid tournaments and doing okay. Um, like, well, I mean, doing well, like like winning some of them, um, but I, I didn't really go elsewhere for chess. I just played like within my area. And then um, we just thought we'd try like a bigger tournament and we tried uh, like, I think it was the South of England junior championship. And I came, must have been like, I don't know, fifth or sixth or something it must have been. And then that was pretty good. And then I played the British Championships after that and did also quite well. And then just basically started uh, skyrocketing in, in rating and ability from, from then on. I, I also started working with a, with a Grandmaster coach uh, around that time as well for like maybe three or four years, maybe three who's, years. Who's your yeah. coach? Uh, Nick Pert, Grandmaster Nick ah, Pert. nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I've I've not uh, I've not worked with him for a, for a while, but um, yeah, he really helped me as well. That was really good. Um, and actually, in the it's funny funny story actually, in the British Championships, uh, like the main one in 2017, I played him in round two, and he absolutely crushed me. Like it was it was almost it was the, my probably my, my worst ever loss was against him. Um, and this was after we stopped working together, and I thought I would surprise him with the Blumenfeld gambit with black because he knew my normal repertoire like perfectly because he has all the files from when, when we <laughs> together. so I thought I'd try the Blumenfeld it turned out that he'd been writing like it must have been like a dvd or like a course or something um for white 1d4 and had been like researching the Blumenfeld like without me knowing like for for months and so he surprised me with this like this gambit line that I'd not seen because I, I just looked at it for like three hours before the game and uh yeah I got beaten and then like 15 16 moves it was really embarrassing but yeah wow. um do you laugh about yeah. it after the game sorry do you like laugh about it with him after the game yeah yeah we did yeah it was funny um although uh, i think the ecf the, the english chess federation on twitter put something like nick per earns himself a rest day by scything through dan gallagher or something like that it was really like <laughs> yeah 
Damn. Hate to see it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> No, but that's uh, and you know, and you said you're so you're like 2100 when you were like uh 15, yeah. And now uh, you're a couple of years later, you're you you haven't gone up as much in rating. You haven't been skyrocketing. I'm not trying to roast you. I'm just I'm just curious. Yeah. Was it like a plateau, or do you just get busy with other stuff? What like what happened? Yeah, I think I just got busy with with other stuff. Like when I was sort of, I mean, from when I was 17, I decided like you know when I study at Cambridge, and then right. I take quite a lot of time to like get the academics sorted and then I, I got to Cambridge and I thought okay I'll start playing some more chess again and I actually started improving again and then COVID came and so that's sort of why I don't think I've properly gone up much um but yeah you know I I I, I wouldn't change anything I'm happy that what's what's happened and you know like properly going for chess I, I was I was good and it was possible that if I just devoted my life to it i could get grandmaster and whatever but it's just such a risk you know like you know i, I didn't want to risk everything on on chess like you know it's, it's at the end of the day it, it is a game um and there are other things you can do with your life that might be better um well, yeah. I, I understand the irony that i'm doing a philosophy degree saying this and saying that that's a better <laughs> thing to do. but you know it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also i mean honestly the the philosophy degree hate is uh I mean, I, I wasn't friends. I was friends. You know, I just graduated in, in, in May and like some of my best friends are philosophy majors and, and, you know, they're, they're doing pretty cool stuff. So, you know, it's really like whatever you want to do, you, you should do with your life. And, you know, if that's, you know, 16 hours a day of chess, go for it. And yeah. if it's not 16 hours a day of chess, also go for it. Do you think that there's like a lot of uh, pressure on, you know, a, a lot of improvers come into the community now? And I, I just listened to this um, some of this podcast episode. This is a podcast I was actually on. This uh, like chess improvers by Doctor Skull. Um, it's a good one. And uh, I talked to like for an hour about like my philosophy on chess improvement and whatnot. But um, you know, I've noticed a lot of like chess improvers um, who come on this podcast. You know, they talk about like the climb, the climb, the climb. Um, do you think there's like a lot of pressure on people who just come like who they, they're like too rating focused or whatever. And it's, you know, like you said, it really is just a game at the end of the day. Yeah, I guess there's, I mean, some people put a lot of pressure on themselves and I don't think that's helpful in chess because the way chess improvement always works is you go up a level and then you plateau for like a while and then you go up another level. It's not like a, a linear thing. It's, it's like, it comes in, in jumps right it's like a step function or whatever um so you know it's uh, wanting constant improvement is counterproductive because no one improves constantly like whoever you are there's no like linear progression in in chess um because like it, you know and the reason for that is if you learn like new ideas and new concepts it takes a while before you like internalize them and you know if you might learn a concept but then you're not applying it in your games because it's not second nature yet to you. So it takes a while before you actually like properly absorb the information that you're, um, that, that you're learning. And that's why it takes like these jumps rather than constant progression. Let's say you have, you have a student who comes to you is like, I don't know, like 1300 young, young student says, I, I want to become a grandmaster. How do you, uh, how do you, how do you say, okay, like where do you start with, with a student like that? Or somebody who just has really lofty, ambitious, improvement goals. Like, I want to be 2,200 in three years. Okay. I mean, I think the first thing you say is, like, you know, okay, if, if you've got a young student who wants to become a grandmaster, I mean, that is possible, right? right. I wouldn't say, like, no, you're never going to become a grandmaster. Because you might, you might be. But I would impress, like, whoever you are, like, it takes a lot of work. Uh, and, not e and not, like, fun work, right? It's not like you're spending... 16 hours a day playing blitz chess on Lee chess. It's it's just spending 16 hours a day pouring through rook in games and pouring through um like uh old uh, world championship games and annotating them and understanding the ideas and then it's uh spending like 30 minutes on one position calculating things out for 10 moves and that's those are the sort of things that you do to properly improve. And if you're really motivated you can do those things and also if you've got time you can do those things but often you know people aren't quite that ambitious they, they want to like you know do the fun stuff and then you can get better doing that too but not as quickly right what's uh what do you think is the the, the most uh the most fun chess book you've ever 
gone through or most fun chess thing you've ever done like for improvement for improvement um the most fun chess book that I've... god that's that's a that's an interesting question um because i think it's important to make them improvement front because like like you said you know most people don't have the time or the wherewithal to uh to invest 16 hours a day on, on chess yeah um on a good day i can do like three four hours and then you know but like it is a game um so i think like for most people the improvement needs to be fun and engaging yeah. no you're, you're you're right and i i was a little bit like i was a little no bit of course of no no I, I i i completely agree with what you said i yeah. i i'm just i'm kind of like thinking because i, I watched this clip recently you, you know pog champs happened recently um but like uh one, from one of the first pog champs tournaments i think it was ludwig who basically he bought like Dvoretsky's Endgame manual <laughs> as like a 1,000 rated player, and he's like, "Yeah, I use this as my pillow. This is like instant improvement or something." It was just so funny because like he mispronounced Dvoretsky, and it's like, why, why is he buying the freaking Dvoretsky Endgame manual? This is like a, it's a tome. It's like literally like a dusty tome. Like it's it's so dense and so hard to read. Like you're not like really down. But it's got to be thinking like how how do you make like chess improvement like fun for people, you know? Well, so okay, I, I've got a few things I can I can say about that, right? So the first thing is that some books like not Tversky, but some books are really fun, right? Some chess books are great. Um, I'd point out uh, Fisher's sixty mem sixty memorable uh, memorable games. It's a Love that book. book. Fantastic. Uh, honestly, like I can just read that, and that, you know, then there's you know, it, it's it's just fun to read, right? Um, and uh, another one I could point out would be, uh, yeah, Gufeld's Goof The Search for the Mona Lisa uh, is a fantastic and fun chess book as well. Uh, because, so Gufeld is this like, uh, I, I think what, I'm not sure if he's still alive or not. I think he probably isn't, but I'm not going to like, right. you know, make a comment there. Um, he uh, basically, fantastic romantic type chess player well you know from the 60s uh 70s 80s type era i think was his main his main era played the dragon and the king's indian and he loved like the aesthetic element of chess and was also like a character as well so like his book is great because you got all these fantastic beautiful games and you've also got his anecdotes about um the chess scene back in the day that are also also pretty funny so that, that, i think that's another really fun book i'd recommend uh, yeah, so th th those those are books that are really fun. Um, I mean, there are ways you can make your chess study fun as well. I mean, like uh, I I always think that playing proper long tournament games counts as study, and for me they're fun to play. I, I really like playing classical tournaments, um, and also like you know I, I don't know um, some tactics puzzles are really beautiful, right? So it depends on what the, what the puzzles you get, but the pretty ones i mean that's really fun if you get the solution to those i think there's lots of ways to make chess study fun i think yeah and i know for me i'm I'm looking for for um i don't know if you're danish and if you're in copenhagen area and you you, you hear this i'm i'm looking for like a way to do kind of like longer time control training games with people otb or even online because i think like uh, something I felt like when I was playing some OTP chess this summer is like the ideas in, in, in long time control games are so much deeper than in a blitz game or a rapid game you play online where like blitz is really is just kind of intuition versus intuition. How good's your tactics? But like you can really like think about some move to play a silent move that like 10 moves later, this is your whole plan. And that, that that's really beautiful to me. And that, that is fun for me. So you really see this plan come together. And um, did it come together for me in any of my tournament games? Long time listeners know no. <laughs> um, the summer was a disaster for my uh, my chess, but I digress. It is what it is. Um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I, I think those are some very good suggestions. I, I, I feel like personally, people get and you know I, I was actually this morning I watched a Gotham chess video like Guess the Elo. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's really funny. But again, like you know, it, it all comes down to like the rating, the rating, the rating. And, and honestly, like what what is a rating at the end of the day? You know, does it really a twenty two hundred on chess dot com? What does that actually mean? You know, like it can depend on so many things. You play five plus three, five zero, three zero. Like who cares? Like just are are you having fun playing the game? As I think the most important thing. Because yeah. there was a period when I was when I came here, 
and I actually tweeted about this. Like I, t- I decided like in the two weeks before I came to Copenhagen, to, I would just take a break from playing chess. No, would not think about chess. Maybe work on a book in my free time, but that's it. Like I didn't want to play, just want to take a break. And when I came back and I started playing chess again, I found that I was like more burnt out from taking a break than I would ever have felt like from just grinding four hours a day. It was really strange, and um, I think yeah, I just like I just had a period where I just was like not having fun. Like I just wasn't enjoying. It. And at that point, it's like just don't play if you're not having fun. And uh, I, I think because you know I was so worried about the number and all that, so now I just don't care. Just play. It's just a game. Like that's the the, the theme of this podcast. It's just really just a game. And I mean, it's a great game. Love the game. Have yeah. a podcast about the game. Um, I'm pretty obsessed with chess, but like, um, it is just a game at the end of the day. And um, yeah, that's kind of my little rant, my little spiel. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I I completely agree with you. That's that's how I feel about it as well. Um. And, you know, as long as you're having fun, you keep playing. And I mean, for some people, obviously, like the fun comes with improvement, in which case you've got to improve to have fun. Right. And then that's that's the that's the other thing. But yeah. Yeah. But like when you get the dopamine rush from seeing like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing to like, you know, pushing to 1500. Oh, I'm getting so close. I'm so close. And then you don't quite get there because of the plateaus and all that. But we, we, we on my last podcast episode, we had like a, a really good discussion on this, too, like how arbitrary it is, like. Like 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 Kostya Kabutsky, who, who great episode by the way, you guys should check that out. Uh, but he talked about you know he he had reached his like all time USCF peak or whatever, and then um, the, the the article reading about his game is like pushing like breaking twenty three sixty seven or something like that, like some arbitrary number that like you know because it's like oh twenty three hundred twenty four hundred, but like what does that actually mean? Yeah, I, I, so I mean one thing I would say that I, I've noticed that's quite funny about this is, is if you look at the um, the rating distri- distribution on on Lee Chess, if you see the, like the sort of cumulative frequency graph, it has all these little peaks around the whole numbers, right? like around 1500, 1600, 1700. And it clearly it's just people who've like, who've said, I want to reach X rating and then reach that rating and then stop playing for like a week or two weeks just because that that's, you know, they've, they've reached their their target and that's why it's why it's just it's got that distribution yep that's me that's literally me uh the 2000 blitz i hit in like uh end of may 2021 and i was like nope i'm not playing i'm not playing blitz anymore (laughs) (laughs) that was it and i i I played like maybe 10 blitz games since then that's literally me so you just called me out no i think that's that's why i mean you know so recently and um i've been just i've had a really good time on lee chess recently so i uh, my peak on the chess blitz was like 23 like 80 something like that um before and then like for like the last year or so and then maybe like a week ago i i, I broke that and then I, I thought do i stop playing here and i thought no 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 i mean like it's just a number it doesn't matter and now i think i, I reached like 24 70 like a few a few like games after. so i went up like by 100 points on my peak rating because I, I, I didn't stop playing because I, I realized that like my form was so good that it's just a, it's a waste to stop to stop here right uh, so, yeah i just i kept playing and um kept, kept going up but you know that's that, that's just me it's also very easy to like you know think I'm, I'm gonna keep playing and then and then you lose five games in a row and drop to like whatever rating that's yeah do you play exclusively on leech or you kind of balance between both almost all on leech um i play on chess.com when things are going badly on leech uh-huh. uh which means that my chess.com rating is a lot lower than my when what it should be because the only times i play there are when i'm doing badly anyway so I, all my chess on chess.com is, is terrible chess because i'm I'm already tilted by the time i get onto that site uh but yeah so lee chess is where i play my my, my good my good chess i feel like though the, the, if i had a title somehow um i would like always play like title tuesday and like titled arenas and stuff like that to me that's like i i mean i guess like when you're like uh nm or fm it's maybe not as fun because you're going to get stomped by hikaru or alireza at some point um but for me i mean i think those games are, are really cool just to, those experiences are a lot of fun i'm, I'm kind of like you anytime i see the like uh i see someone who's like an nm on chess.com who's about to wipe me but i know that's going to be a good game for me to, to study and stuff like that so i i relish those experiences too yeah i i'm like I've actually not claimed my title on chess.com yet, which I really need to do. I've just been like procrastinating it. Right. So I'm going to do that. And then I will play some title Tuesdays soon. I think um, the thing is, I just don't like bullet for the, for, for Lee chess, like the title arenas are mostly bullet arenas and I just don't like bullet. So I yeah. don't really want to play those because I, I'm just slow. 
I'm slow on the mouse, and that's the most important thing. I'm um, in bullet. Like I think I'm 200 points slower on bullet than I am on. No, you need to be like physically gifted yeah. for bullet. It's really funny. Yeah. There's like actually like I, mean, I think I think younger players are are more suited for that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I also I hate playing bullet, but I will play if I'm having a bad day on Lee Chess, which I'm not on as often. But if I am having a really bad day on Lee Chess, I just pull up bullet and say okay, whatever. And I'm also like 500 points lower on bullet. I'm so slow, unbelievably yeah. slow. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I want to move on to the final section of the show, um, which is uh the sponsored section. Um, this is uh, instant insights sponsored by Aim Chess. Uh, eight questions. Um, pretty rapid fire. Take a sec to think about it if you need to. Um, and we'll uh just just you know explain what you're thinking. I'm just gonna ask you some. I don't know if you've heard this part of the show before. This is the third time I'm doing it. Um, I think or maybe fourth. I don't even remember. But it's uh it's a lot of fun, and uh it's gonna be. I think it's the third one. Yeah. So um yeah. First of all, I want to just say again, thank you, Aim Chess, for sponsoring uh this uh podcast episode and the podcast and this high quality audio that you hear. Um, with that being said, are you ready to be thrown into the instant insights, uh, gauntlet? I'm so ready. Yeah. Bring Let's it on. Go. Okay. Very first question. And I mean, this is, uh, maybe I shouldn't ask this one cause I know what you're going to say, but uh, we are knight or bishop? A uh, bishop. Yeah. Bishop pair. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's right. a really, oh, uh, okay. Uh, uh, you don't want any, any elaboration on that. You just, no, want... no, you can have me elaborate. Go ahead. Okay. So I, I think that, um, bishop better than knight, but actually, um, so if you've got two minor pieces, uh, my ranking is bishop pair, then knight pair, then bishop and knight. Interesting. So I, I, I prefer having two knights over a bishop and a knight, but bishop pair is better than both of those options. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it's really crazy how good the bishop pair is actually. Yeah. I just, like, I lost a game recently online where it was like someone sacked like uh, a rook and a piece. To keep the bishop pair and destroyed me with like this open board. I was, I was that really like opened my eyes because everyone says the bishop pair is good, but it's just like one of those moments was like, wow, it is really good. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I also I recently played a game on Lee Chess where I, I, I was memeing right, and I started with like um, h4, g3, and then rook h3, and then let them take the rook on h3, and then bishop takes h3, took, took it back, and did the same thing on the other side of the board. So I was down two exchanges from like move six, and I won. Um, because I had the bishop pair, <laughs> so it's, it's you know I, I think the bishop pair is great. I think it's yeah. it's it's so so much better than like you know three points each. It's, it's really really good. I feel like if if I, that was me playing with the black pieces against you, I would probably just delete my account. That's, that's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just shut, just turn yeah. off the computer for a couple of days. Yeah, well, I quite like that. Yeah. <laughs> Next question, uh, Magnus Carlsen or Jan Nepomniachi? Oh, Magnus, for sure. Yeah. Are you going to be following the World Championship, do you think? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, but I, I can't see past Magnus, right? I think he's just so good. Yeah. I, I don't think Nepomniachi is going to stand it. Mean, I think, you know, it'll be quite tight, but a comfortable, comfortable win for Magnus. Yeah. I don't yeah. think, I, my prediction is I don't think it's going to go to uh, to the rapid tie breaks. No. I, yeah, think, no. I, I think it's going to be the first decisive in a long time. Um, because yeah. against Karyakin and Caruana was both in the tie breaks. Yeah. I think, yeah. I'm actually, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm really thinking about going to Dubai. I know there's like a lot of like ethical things about Dubai and the slavery and all that, but I kind of just want to like network there. So I, I don't know. I've been, I've been really like uh, debating uh, getting a ticket if I can find it cheap enough. Because I think it would be fun. I wanted to go to uh, London three years ago. I wasn't able to because I had school and it was cost a lot of money. But you know, I feel like. Although I will say one thing that I found a little disappointing, it's like through the Dubai Expo, which has been going on for months, and you like I remember like for the London one and the New York one, you could just buy tickets to the event itself, but for this thing you have to like buy a ticket to the expo, and it just is a little weird because like I feel like the the World Championship of Chess should be more dignified than like just at an expo of like oh we're highlighting sporting or whatever. So now here's like the two best chess players on the planet, like playing against each other. Like, I don't know. To me, it's a little, it's a little strange. And I, I don't know. It doesn't really sit right with me. I feel like it really should be more of its own thing, but that's just me. I, I agree. I agree with you as well. I mean, I, I don't, you know, you know, Dubai is an interesting place anyway, but you know, I, I, I won't comment too much. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I, it, yeah, it is what it is. It's uh, I, I watched a video recently where they call, there's a really good YouTube video about like, Dubai's architecture and all that, how it's like a parody of like 21st century, like 
philosophy. It's really, really, really good video actually, because it has like the suburbs, like American style suburbs, like in Dubai, and mm -hmm. these massive skyscrapers, of course, but like that aren't connected to like sewage because they're like they don't have that. So it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, that's kind of like I would, I would like, you know, I, I think that's a cool thing about chess too, is like all the travel you can do if you're really good. That's something I really am envious of because that's not true with. You know, if you're a really good basketball player in America, let's say as a kid, like, yeah, you'll go around America, but it's not quite like flying around to like Croatia and Spain. And that's yeah, to me uh, is really cool. I've, I've been to Serbia, Gibraltar, Greece, um, Sweden, uh, Ireland. I'm missing some places, but yeah, like I've, I've had some, some travel, which is quite, which is, has been really good for, um, through my chest. I think it's, it's, yeah, it's really good also, like, as a, because, you know, a lot of people say, you know, when you're playing chess, you're missing out on stuff. But if you're really traveling a lot, you see a lot of the world in a way that most people never will. Yeah. Not just like the, the fancy vacation spots or whatever. Like, you're really just going to random cities in across the oh, country. I, I promise you that for the for the European youth and stuff, you, you don't see the fancy places. I can, yeah. I can tell you that. The, the hotels are not, <laughs> not great. <laughs> It's actually a, it's a good caveat. I'm uh, sorry. It's a, it's a good transition to my next question, which is, what's your favorite place where you've played chess before? Oh, um, oh, I think it's uh, in in Crete. I went to the Paliacora Open. I've done the play there played there twice. Um, the last time I went was in 2017, I think, with a group of friends of mine uh, who all play chess, and that was great fun. Um, so that very nice like beach location and lovely little town in in Greece. Lovely, yeah. Next question uh, is going to be: Who is your favorite chess player of all time? Uh, oh, it's, that's difficult. It's um, just just count to three in your head and then just it, say it. Uh, Tal, Tal, Mikhail Tal. Yeah. Is that yeah. where you get your style from? Was it was it like Tal? Did Tal make a, a impact on you when you were younger, or was it just like a recent like, oh wow, Tal is like really? Because I, I saw like you know I think a lot of people say, well, Tal's his sacrifices were intuitive. They weren't calculated all the way, but I think, isn't that what makes him so magical? Like Exactly. Yeah. Um, no, no, he made a huge impact on me and I, I sacrifice things all the time uh, for even in classical games with like, just if it's, if it's chaos, I like it. And that's why yeah. I like, I like Tal. Um, yeah. What's the most memorable tournament you've ever played? Um, yeah, that's probably got to be, uh, yeah, probably the British the British under fifteen championship that I won. Uh, probably, I mean that was at least that was that was quite good. But maybe some European youth as well. Uh, the one in in Greece was quite good as well. So, yeah, one one of those two, I think. Um, Is memorable because you won, or or just the the tournament vibe itself? It, the the one that I won, it was memorable because it won because because I, because I won, and the European youth won. It was memorable because of just the vibe. It's like so cool to have so many like strong young chess players in the same. Mm -hmm same area and you know interesting community spirit that develops as well it's it's quite a cool yeah. yeah all right we got three more questions here so we'll start with this one what's the favorite game you've ever played over the board or otherwise who's the opponent you know yeah oh that's probably gonna be um yeah okay this is weird right so uh the one that comes to mind is actually a loss of mine um so i was playing a guy called um uh Martin Hausbro, I think he's a Danish international master. I think he's Scandinavian. I think he's Danish international master. This was this was in uh, ExtraCon 2019, um, and uh, basically I was. This was it. Like the the story is that I I I found this like um, rook sacrifice. Like that was like it was like a rook takes e, rook takes pawn on e6 sacrifice. Like in the middle game, um, and then followed it up with like a quiet move like. The other rook to e1 like like just as if nothing had happened and after i played rook takes e6 like the entire tournament hall basically was sort of like we're gathering around the board and i, I played it and I, I just got up from the board and walked away and, and left him him sweating and um like it, like it was it was amazing because then the, the moves after that were like this this series of like insane tactics where both of us were like completely had no idea what was going on because it was like you know whatever it, it turned out that it was it was it should have been a, like it should have been equal um but he blundered and then in time trouble, I blundered and lost, but still it just felt, it was such a, such a cool game um, to, to be a part of that. I, I, that's my most memorable, uh, memorable game, even though I lost. Yeah. That sounds like a lot of fun. And I also just, uh, I did a quick check. So Martin Halbro, the international master, he's in the same chess club as the, as me at really? right yeah. now. Yeah. At least in the chess.com yeah. group at uh, the Danish tactical university. So that's pretty cool. 
Um, yeah. Small world. Yeah. <laughs> um, two more questions. What's the favorite game of someone else? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, that's going to be... Um, it's... Yeah. Uh, Alpha Zero versus Stockfish. Uh, it's the game where... Um, uh, Alpha Zero has the bishop pair on b2 and b1 uh, when the king on a1 and sacrifices the entire king aside and like loads of other pawns and wins. It's it just the most insane game I've ever seen. It's just absolutely beautiful. That's, and it's like so futuristic too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's really cool. Yeah. I love that game too. That's definitely in like in my top five. Hmm. And uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of sad to say that because it's obviously like it's not a human game, but it's still I, just the beauty of it. I, I can't get past that whenever I see it. So, Although you know, Leela's been getting smacked in the in the TCEC. Stockfish has been uh, has been getting revenge for those those early matches. Yeah, I, I mean that, that's true. But now Stockfish is also in, is also in Neuronet. So yeah, uh, you know, there's a re there's a reason for that. They've changed their their style. And you said you were working on some sort of chess engine, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm I'm learning Python, so I'm, yeah. I'm sort of just like. I thought I'd just try to program like a chess game and then maybe a chess engine, see what see what happens. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm currently like I've sort of got the game that bit down. I'm taking a bit of a, I'm taking a bit of a break now, and then I might um, see if I can put some sort of engine together. Uh, it will be really bad. But... but can I ask? Is it are you using like a chess module like or something? Like no, you just from scratch. No, just from completely from scratch. Yeah, I I, I so I don't have a board, right? So I, I basically just have it so that I input moves and then it like. Like it's like it's just like blindfold chess, if that makes sense, right? So I have mm -hmm. like, um, you know, I, I can say like a series of moves, like you know, what, e4, e5, knight f3, and then it like it stops me if it's if it's illegal, and it tells me if it's check or checkmate, uh, or stalemate or a draw. Um, yeah, that's sort of what I've I've cool. got so far. Yeah, um, which is alright. I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a beginner at Python, so you know, that was quite nice to get. Listen, I've been doing Python for a few years. I'm not sure I could do that, so that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> no, I, I'm, I would really love to see the the code one is done. That's the, cool. the, the the code is I can promise you it's it's so messy and I just like it, basically like I, I run up to like I come up to like a problem and then I fix the problem and then there's a new problem and I fix that and it's sort of like but nothing is like cohesive. It's sort of right. just like, yeah, it's really it's very beginner code. Like you would hate it, you'd hate to see it. But yeah, yeah. well, I, I promise you, my code is not that good. I'm I'm an astrophysicist, so we 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 we're all functional programmers. We don't we don't care if it if it works, it's good. That's yeah. that's all. With you know, we I don't have these elegant like functions and all that. I don't work like that. So sure, I get okay. it to work. And uh, we'll cap off. I think I know the answer to this one. You know, haven't followed you on Twitter for a while. But what is uh, what's your favorite opening? Uh, this the king's in, the king's Indian defense by a long way. Yeah, for black. Yeah. And you've been playing that for a long time too. For my entire since I almost since I learned chess, I've been playing that opening, um, and it's it's done like really good job. I mean, I've I've drawn with um, a few grand, I've drawn with at least one grandmaster. I've beaten at least an international master and several FIDE masters with black in it. It's served me well. Um, yeah. Let me ask you a follow up question, just because I basically expect this as the answer. But like, so everyone knows the King's Indian is a very sharp opening. Da 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 da. What's something underrated about the King's Indian that a lot of people don't um, appreciate? I think it's that um, and, okay. This is this is both a plus and a minus, right? Uh, but for me, it's a plus. Like I think it's a plus. So the range of different positions you get in the King's Indian is much broader than in other openings. So if you play the Benoni, you get one structure, the Benoni structure. If you play, if you play the Slav, you can basically get one structure, which is the Slav structure. The King's Indian, you have like about six or seven different pawn structures that you can get um, in the opening. And actually, it means that it's really hard for white to prepare because often black is the one choosing which structure to go for. So uh, it basically means that black has a lot of options against a lot of against whatever white plays, and white needs to be ready to play a range of structures that you know they not might be they they might not be completely comfortable playing. Whereas a seasoned King's Indian player is familiar with all of the structures and can sort of you know chop and change whatever works in in a given situation so that, that's what i like about it at least you know um yeah i'll tell you the thing i hate the most is um you know playing online and somebody freaking move order tricks me and then i'm end up playing the king's indian because i don't know how to play the king's indian um and you know i play like a karo khan and like calm c4 systems and the queen's gambit accepted 
So no. suddenly I'm in this sharp thing where, like you said, where you can get a billion different central pawn structures and I have no idea what to do and I just get destroyed on the king side like in 20 moves. So that's, that's... Yeah, that's, that's that's one other thing that I, I'd say. It's the other thing I love about it is that um, basically <laughs> you're, you're positionally like very, very suspect from very early on, which means you have to justify it with tactics, right? You, your mentality has to be, I'm going to punch white like i'm gonna disrupt everything they do i'm gonna like be a nuisance i'm gonna annoy them and that's just how i like to play chess so it, it forces me to play the chess that i like to play which which is it's nice to see yeah well yeah if you're looking for a new uh a new opening king's indian uh that hasn't been one that people have suggested yet in the whole long uh almost uh you know eight months of doing the show or something like that well no it's less this actually i think this episode is like exactly six months of the 64 podcast Great. which is pretty <laughs> sick yeah because i started in congratulations yeah thank you mid-march or whatever and uh, we're going strong yeah. um i think it's a good it's a good note to uh to wrap up the show so first of all dan i want to really thank you bottom of my heart for coming and uh you know starting off the the danish season of 64 chess podcast um hope you're back on and uh you know ho hope you come visit again thanks thanks so much i would love to yeah it's been yeah. great it's uh, been a pleasure to get to know you uh, and I hope uh, all, all my listeners, I hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, I'll be back probably sometime next week. Um, I want to thank Aim Chess once again for sponsoring this podcast. Uh, you can use code David30 for three months off of your subscription with Aim Chess and uh, start improving your chess pretty soon. Um, I have a Patreon too. I've been plugging this. Nobody seems to subscribe. That's okay. Um, but it is $1. Um, $1 a month. You can uh, support the show if you like what you hear. If you want to help me buy a new mic stand, which broke uh, recently, like very recently, um, you can do that. Uh, and uh, yeah, I do have a Patreon, so just plug in that. Why not? You can follow us on Twitter. Follow me um, at David Visgon or at 64 Podcast, my chess podcast Twitter. You can follow Dan at Bishop Pear, debatably the best uh, Twitter handle uh, in the game. Uh, <laughs> I, I really think so. I mean, it's, it's, it's iconic, honestly. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, that's all we have. Is there anything you want to plug last second? I know you said you do coaching. Uh, where should people find you? Uh, find me on Twitter at, at Bishop Pear. And, um, yeah, if you want coaching, I, I charge a, a 25 pound an hour, which is pretty reasonable for master level tuition. So it's very reasonable. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. You want to get some lessons, uh, from someone in the UK, you represented Britain very nicely. I will say, by the way. You know, you, you did, <laughs> and uh, I know America and Britain are are historically rivals, but you know, I'm glad we came together and you know, wonderful. Put yeah. differences aside, very beautiful. Yeah, yeah, uh, guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of 64 Chess Podcast, and I will see you next week.